In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. My dear brothers and sisters, this 20th Sunday of Ordinary Time coincides this year with the solemnity of the Assumption of our Blessed Mother into Heaven. There are very few feast days that overtake a Sunday liturgy, either solemnities of the Lord or of the Blessed Virgin. Otherwise, any other feast is set to a different day and the Sunday liturgy takes precedence. And so for the church, this is a great feast and a mystery that it wants us to understand in its depth. That Mary was taken, body and soul, into heaven after she passed through the sleep of death. Call it sleep, call it death, that's not the discussion. Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. Mary ended her life here on earth, but rather than being decayed in a tomb and turning to dust, God took her body and soul into heaven. She who had received the grace of the Immaculate Conception of being preserved from sin and then had been obedient to God throughout her life, staying free from sin, was preserved in her death from corruption. She who bore the Son of God was given the special grace to receive with him the reward that awaits us all if we too, like her, strive to live in accordance with his will that one day our bodies will join our souls in heaven in the resurrection of the dead. The assumption is a special gift for Mary, but it's a promise for you and me that we too are meant to be assumed into heaven, body and soul. Just like in the Immaculate Conception, the angel said, Hail, full of grace. Well, in your baptism, the angel could say to you, Hail, full of grace because your sins were completely washed clean and you were filled with the grace of God. The gifts that Mary give are the model and the example of what God wants to give to each one of us. And thus this Feast of the Assumption was actually celebrated for years throughout the church, right from the first centuries. There's the first legends of St. Thomas who wasn't present and then wanted to see the body of Mary and they went to look for it and it was gone. It had been assumed into heaven. And then the early church fathers and the early liturgies, the faithful recognized this gift that as Jesus had rose and ascended into heaven, so he had taken his mother also body and soul into heaven. And this based on some of the Old Testament prophets, Elijah who was taken up into heaven, or Moses who was considered to have been taken up in the same way, etc. So this is not just a, a... all of a sudden occurrence of the church. It's something that the faithful had celebrated for years. It wasn't defined as a dogma until 1950, Pope Pius XII, five years after the end of World War II. No, it's some of our lifetimes here. So it's something that the church has come to understand over the years and to see that this is a gift God gave to his mother, but it's also one that he wants for us. It's a beautiful mystery, a reality of our faith, that we've been created by God in his image not to die and turn to dust, but to live. And the ultimate one who will be conquered, as the second reading just said, is death. God does not want us to die, but to live forever. There was this religious education teacher who was telling her students all about this great mystery of the Assumption and how Mary had been taken body and soul into heaven and was with Jesus there. And so she asked the children, how many of you would like to go to heaven with Mary, just like she did? And all the children raised their hand, except for one, of course. 
And the teacher asked, don't you want to go to heaven with Mary? And she said, yes, I want to go, but my mom told me to come straight home after this class. <laughs> the innocent child. We want to go to heaven, yes, and we want just not our soul to go, but us to go. We are body and soul, created by God in his image as such. And thus our bodies may lie in the tomb for a while, turned to dust. But the promise of the Lord is that that body will be reunited with the soul in heaven for those who give glory to God. In the resurrection of the dead, we too, like Mary, are meant to be glorified in heaven with God, our bodies. A glorified body, assumed into heaven. Not one that now suffers pain and like we do here on earth. One that has been taken up into the fullness of the Lord. This gift for Mary is a promise for us. But like Mary, in order to attain that gift, we need to respond and live as sons and daughters of God. I love this reading of the gospel because in it we see some of the virtues. I mean, Mary is an example for us of all of the virtues. But there are a couple of them that are really important here that I'd like to point out. That I think we need to look to Mary and, and imitate her in these ways. You know, some of our, our separated brethren say that we, we have statues of Mary and we worship her. That's a lie. It's false. It's a sin to worship the Blessed Mother or any other saint. We don't worship or adore saints or even Mary. We adore and worship only God. That's our faith. If the Christians of other faith think we do the otherwise, they're mistaken. And if they hear this, well, then let them know that for a Catholic it's a sin to worship anyone other than God. What do we do with Mary then? Why do we have statues of her and the saints? Because we venerate them. We see in them the examples of those sons and daughters of God who have said yes to God, done his will, shown us that we too can make it. And we have to follow their example as they followed Christ. We have to be like Christ like they were. So they're examples for us that motivate us to strive to be better. And so we look at Mary in this statue right here and see her love, her purity, her, her surrender, her yes to God, her obedience, everything. And we say, Mary, we don't pray to her, we pray through her. Mary, intercede to God for me. Help me, like you, one day to be in heaven. Ask him to give me the grace. So we ask her and the saints to intercede for us. Let's look to her now and see in her these examples. Just a couple virtues. I like this one, it always stands out to me in this gospel. This is right after Mary had just heard from the angel, you're gonna be the mother of God. The Messiah is coming through you. We know the dialogue she had with the angel, and then the angel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and she says, let it be done unto me according to your word. And the last word, just before the first three words here, is, and with that, the angel left her. In other words, God had revealed to Mary what he wanted of her, and now it was up to her to go forth and to fulfill his will. And it says, what did Mary do? Mary set out and traveled to the hill country in haste to a town of Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. The angel had just told her, your cousin Elizabeth is also pregnant. 
six months pregnant. She's going to have a child. Nothing's impossible for God. And what's Mary's first thought after she's received this great news that she's going to be the mother of God? It wasn't about herself. It wasn't, look at me. It wasn't, how can I go? It was, how can I go help my cousin? She's six months pregnant. She's an elderly woman beyond years. It's not normal for her. She must be having trouble. I'm going to go give her a hand. And the first thing she did was go to serve and to love and to bring Christ who was in her to her cousin. It's an act of charity and love that Mary forgets herself and just sets out with haste to go in service. It wasn't to go and see if the angel was telling the truth. No. It's because she knew he was telling the truth. She went to serve. The end of this gospel says, Mary remained with her about three months. Now, I used to be good at math when I was in school. And if I'm not mistaken, the angel said, came to Mary six months after Elizabeth was pregnant. So in, in Elizabeth's sixth month, Mary heard this news. She set out and she stayed with her three months. Now correct me if I'm wrong, but I think six plus three is nine. And I think that's how long it takes for the gestation of a child in the womb of its mother. And so what is happening here? Mary goes to serve her cousin. She remains with her until she gives birth. She's there for her in these dire moments, giving of herself, and then returned to her home. An example of selfless love that doesn't seek recompense. Mary could have said, okay, Elizabeth, your turn. I'm three months pregnant now, so you take care of me, okay? I, I want a pat on the back. I've been here to help you now return the favor. No, Mary doesn't do that. Mary goes, she serves, seeking to help and love and be there for her cousin, and then she returns home, seeking no recompense, seeking no vainglory, no pats on the back. No, it's a selfless love, one of giving totally to the other without seeking herself. And she does it right from the very moment that she brings Jesus and the baby leaps in Elizabeth's womb. And here we come to the second virtue. So the first is selfless love, charity without recompense. Maybe we need to imitate that in the Blessed Mother, I would think. Because oftentimes we do things wanting recompense, hoping we'll get a pat on the back, looking for acknowledgement, wanting someone to say, good job. No? There's a lack of purity of intention oftentimes in our good works even. We shouldn't stop doing them, but we should purify them and seek to do them for God and God alone. The other virtue here is right here. Elizabeth says to Mary, blessed are you. The baby leaped in my womb. Who am I that the mother of my Lord should come to me? In other words, she's exalting Mary. She's putting her up on a cloud up there and saying, oh my Lord, you're the one chosen. And what's Mary's response? Yes, Elizabeth, here I am. Look, you lowly servant. No, it's not one of pride, of, of self-esteem and self-love and vanity. Mary's response is, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. One of humility and giving all the glory to God. She knows that she's been chosen. She knows that she's been blessed. All generations will call me blessed. But why? Because he has looked upon his lowly servant. 
So my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. It's all about her giving glory to God in her life. It's not about her. It's about him. And then she'll go on to make sure we understand that by saying, he has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm and scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things. He has come to the help of his servant Israel. He has remembered his promise of mercy and he that he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. Every single word of the Magnificat is Mary giving glory to God in her life with all humility, recognizing herself as a lowly servant whom God has chosen and blessed. Shouldn't we do the same? You too have been chosen by God. You too are blessed as his child. Each and every one of you, here or online or in the world, we are his children to Abraham and his children forever. God has done all these great things for you and blessed you. Just like Mary says, all generations will call me blessed. All generations can call you blessed too because you have received the grace of God's love and mercy through his son, Jesus Christ, who died on a cross to save you from your sins and rose from the dead to give you new life. And in Ephesians, St. Paul will say, we are blessed. And so, as Mary gave the glory to God because of the gifts she had received, so too should I. Not seek vanity and self-esteem and fame and acknowledgement and look at me. That's worthless. But humbly say, here I am, Lord and I want to do your will, and I'm going to do it joyfully, and I'm going to do all the good I can, and I'm going to give the glory to you. St. Peter says, let them see the good that you do and give the glory to God. Give, do the good, but give the glory to God. So love, charity, selfless love and charity, humility. Two great virtues that help us to live like Mary and thus live like Christ being sons and daughters like her, so that we can obtain, like her, the promise that is ours and the gift that she has already received, to be assumed into heaven, body and soul. That will take place for us after the resurrection of the dead on the last day. She has received it now so that we can look forward to it and say, yes, I want to go to heaven with Mary too. Now, even if mom does want me to come home right after mass, I want to get there. And then the final virtue is obedience. Mary was obedient to God. I mean, all the virtues. I could talk about every single one of the virtues and find in Mary an example of it. Purity, patience, all of them. Let's just look at her obedience. The Lord asked her to be the mother of his son. She didn't say, yes, I can do this, I'll do it on my own. No. She said, let it be done unto me according to your word. Behold, the handmaid of the Lord. That should be our attitude. Here I am, God. Let me do your will. Do in me that which you want of me. You created me for a purpose. 
so that I could love you, know you, serve you, and love my brothers and sisters and do good in this world. Here I am, Lord. Let it be done unto me according to your word. Do in me that which you desire. Help me to be obedient to your will, to love you above all things, to overcome, as we all need to, my weaknesses and my sins, my failings and my shortcomings, my faults, which are so many. Help me to be obedient to your will, to love you, and above all, to that commandment you gave us just before you died. Love one another as I have loved you. Die to yourself like Mary, serve without recompense, give the glory to God, and be obedient to me. My will, not yours, be done. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.